0: it's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. In this episode, host, Grady Sheffield, the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University and the Senior Advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, David Davenport, the Director at Austin Peay State University. With almost 30 years in the field, Davenport has seen and experienced a lot. He shares about his journey into campus recreation and dives into his time as the nurse president. Leading through COVID-19, George Floyd, and more was quite challenging. He gets real and shares how that time impacted his experience as a director. Finally, Davenport shares about his experience at the Campus Rec Leadership Summit and advice to directors who are looking to continue to grow. Enjoy the discussion that follows.
1: All right, welcome back to The Director Download, everybody. My name is Grady Sheffield. As usual, I'm your host. And today we are joined by David Davenport, director at Austin P State University. Welcome, David. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, man. How are you?
1: Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Um, you and I have been talking about getting you on here for a while, and so we finally made it happen, and I'm excited. Uh, so, I'm
2: um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. So let's start out by just... Telling everybody, where is Austin P University?
2: <laughs> Austin P State University is 40 miles north of Nashville, um, right up 24, right on the Kentucky line. Uh, we're in the backyard of uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which is one of the largest military installations in the country. Um, the Screaming Eagles, 101st uh, Screaming Eagles, the, the Army base that went over and got bin Laden and do a lot of deployments from here. Um, pretty huge base. Um, so yeah, we're the fifth largest in Clarksville, Tennessee, the fifth largest city in Tennessee.
1: All right, how many students?
2: Um, uh, right around, right under ten thousand. Before COVID, we were breaking record numbers, and COVID knocked us down to eight something, and then we're moving our way back up with the uh, on, on on post numbers. Uh, we have a satellite campus on Fort Campbell Military Base.
1: Awesome, that's good to hear. So let's go back a little bit. You got you went to undergrad at App State Appalachian State from yep. uh, I guess 89
2: to 84. Yep and no not is that wh- 94, 94. I'm 94. sorry 94 89 to
1: 94. Yeah I don't want to make you that old. Yeah um, is that where you got you were introduced to campus rec?
2: Yeah um, basically I was a uh, work study trying to find, find my way around. I, I wanted to go wrestle and uh, once I got to that level um, I, I, I learned that uh, there was a lot of good people out there and, and me and, me and the practices three days a week, three times a day was not 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 as friendly as I wanted it to be, and uh, being tied up like a pretzel was not fun either. So I I, I looked for some uh, some other alternatives. Um, jumped in uh, work study, was introduced to uh, some officiating. Uh, I liked it. Um, um, actually, let me back up. So yes, I got introduced, but what really turned it on was I was playing flat football, and. Mm-hmm um i didn't like a call i went and complained to the director at the time his name was jim eubanks and he said come see me in my office the next day i went and saw him and he listened to me all over again And he said if you can do better come join me
1: mr eubanks did he have his cowboy boots on he did. He did. He did. <laughs> of course he did. Of course so he did. I decided to you come know,
2: join him and uh, the rest is history.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a funny, that's funny that you say that because a lot of people have that same experience, right? They were complaining. They didn't like the calls they went in to talk to somebody and they're handed a whistle saying, let's go come join us. Yep. So that's great. So what'd you do after graduation?
2: Um, I went, My um, I is in criminal justice. I wanted to be in the FBI. Um, the semester I was supposed to graduate, I learned I could never pass the physical because of my eyesight. Uh, so that was just yeah. disappointing. Uh, so I went into private school for boys. It's called Timber Ridge in Winchester, Virginia. I wanted to some kind of way uh, use my criminal justice degree and my social work degree, which is my minor, and and work with kids. And so I jumped into private sector, worked at a private school for boys for a year and a half, two years. Um, and I, I felt, felt that I was running in the mud, wasn't moving a lot. Um, and it just put me in a place of it has to be something better. Um, yeah. I love helping kids, but the kind of school I was in, they didn't like helping themselves and it made it really hard, especially when you have a 16 a year old and, and he asks what time it is. And I tell him, look at the clock. He says, I can't read the clock. And he says, I really don't want to read the clock or have a parent call me and say, Hey, my child's having issues. I need you to help me help him. Well, put him on punishment. And it was like, that doesn't work for us. So I just, I just feel as though I was running in the mud. So uh opportunity opened up at old Dominion as an assistant director. You know, I was searching. I'm not sure if it was called Bluefish then, but it was whatever nurse's search site was. So yeah. I, I I applied for it. Um the director called me and said, Hey, I'm interested in you, but I need you to have your master's. So um why don't you come and be a grad assistant? You'll still do the same work and um When you get done um, with your master's, I would give you first dibs of the job. And uh, I went and did that. I went for an interview, which I thought was an interview. And I was, you know, touring and all that good little stuff. And I said, hey, so when will I hear anything? She said, it was your job when you showed up. I said, all right, cool. So went and packed up my stuff, went to Old Dominion. she stuck to her words. When I finished my master's, uh, I was getting ready to leave to go to Nursa. She presented um, an offer sheet in front of me. She says, "I want you. I want you to go look, but uh, I keep my word. Here's my offer sheet for you." So I went to that that conference to look for a job with a job in hand.
1: What conference was that?
2: Uh, I think it was Albuquerque. Um, Albuquerque. Okay. I, gotta go back and, I gotta go back and look, but yeah. um, it was. Um, it was a surreal feeling getting there, and I was, uh, you know, me and some of my good friends now still, um, um, Sarah Fain, who everybody remembers, and and Cesar Woods, and Sam, actually, we were all searching, and after the first after the first or second interview, I was like, I have a job, why am I getting in these people's way? So I just kind of like, after the first day I was done, I said, I don't need to look anymore, I'm, I like where I am, I'm going to stay where I am, so I backed up, and We've been, I've been here ever since.
1: <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. So, how long were you at ODU?
2: Uh, got from '95 until 2003. Uh,
1: so, what did you do after
2: that in 2003? I came here to Austin p i I came here for a three to five year plan. Um, uh, when I was at um Old Dominion, I wanted to. My director who hired me, she retired. I wanted to be a director. Um, I knew they were getting ready to do some construction projects. So I applied uh at the time old Mean reported to athletics. Uh the athletic director said, Hey, we want somebody who has some construction experience, a little bit more season under their belt, but we want you to be on the search committee. I guess that was a nice way of saying, No, nah, you're not gonna get it, but we want you to stay. Um in walks, uh the next director who was Kevin Marbury. Um mm. got, to work, got to work with him for a little while. Um and pretty soon, the opportunity opened up. Uh, started, well, it was time for me to start looking again. And I started looking. I looked at several different places. Um, Austin P was one of them that had never heard of Austin P. Um, never didn't even know where it was. But it was an opportunity to build a program, uh, to build a facility, build a staff. Everything was going from scratch. So I jumped on it. Um, I guess Kevin gave me a pretty good reference. Um, because after his reference called, I got a call for a job offer. Uh, I came here March 17th. 2003 came in for a three to five year plan uh 20 years later i'm still here (laughs) i got to build a facility build a program uh getting ready for some expansions build a pool build outdoor uh outdoor center Uh, um sand volleyball course i had you know was able to build my resume up a little bit and and uh get some construction experience behind me pretty pretty solid staff Uh, we got holes in it right now but you know it's been fun along the way and i'm looking to continue to grow
1: so so you you came in as the director right away. Yep, yep I did. Yeah, 20 years. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got involved with NURSA early on in your career. In fact, I remember meeting you when I was just a young, naive, inexperienced mm-hmm. uh, GA, I believe. Um, what inspired you to get involved with NURSA?
2: Uh, how I started, again, goes back to Jim Eubanks. Um, he was hosting, uh, we were hosting a North Carolina State Conference. Um, he got a couple of emerald folks together, or recreation folks. It was intramural because he was strictly intramural. Wanted us to help him with the planning, so we started planning. Uh, conference came in. I did the opening, and uh, I did the opening and, and the closing, and I was a point person. And I uh, met some pretty cool people. Willie Allen was one of them. Um, that I was like, hey, this is all right. Uh, so, Following that, I went to my first regional, which was at Emory in Atlanta. Uh, met some more cool people. And I said, this this is pretty cool. Uh, it wasn't just a uh, a conference, and I didn't have it at the time I didn't have a lot of experience with conferences, but I knew this was different than than a lot of stuff I've been involved in. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. The people everybody treated like family. Um, and I, I thought I was pretty cool with that. Um a little time went by, and Jim said, "Let's go to a nurse a national conference." Okay, what did I know? I was in college, didn't know any, didn't know much. Jumped in the car with him, well, jumped in the van with him. It was a van load of us, along with our, um, I think she was the assistant vice president or vice chancellor, whatever her name was, Barbara Day. Jumped in a van. We drove from Boone, North Carolina, to Nashville, Tennessee, to the first our first national conference uh, around ninety four. I think that's when it was. Um, Standing on the sidewalk, greeting us as soon as we got out with Sam Hurt. Uh, it was my first <laughs> impression of uh, somebody big wigging, so to speak. Uh, he, Mr. He, Vanderbilt, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. He, he showed some love. Uh, we had the conference. So as we got ready to leave, he, he was now telling us goodbye. He was still oh. on the sidewalk. I thought it was pretty cool. But he said to me, if you ever need anything, you ever back in this area, look me up. I'd be glad to, to see you again. I took a bump on the offer a couple of years later. I was just um, passing through. I was doing something in Nashville. Stopped us, and hung out with him for a little bit. He treated me like he'd been knowing me forever. Um, moved forward. Um, when I got gave word that I was coming to Austin P, my first piece of mail on my desk was waiting on me. It was from Sam Hurt, and it said, "Welcome to Tennessee. Welcome to Austin P." I just oh, that's cool. awesome. So it those kind of relationships that just made me just this is pretty cool. So
1: yeah, that that. that. That's what it's about right there. So let's fast forward. um, 2020, I think it was 2020. You you were elected as nurse president, right?
2: I was actually elected in 18 because it's a three year track. But yeah.
1: okay, 18. Right. So but 20 is when you is that when you started serving
2: in the role? That was my my, uh, my my presidential year, 2021.
1: Why did you seek that leadership position?
2: You know, it was, it was not something I really sought out for, um, back when we did a new governors, I was involved in the committee work and I saw the change. So I, uh, sought to be on the, the membership network at the time. I was the initial, one of the first member network reps for region two. Um, I liked what I saw and I liked the fact that I was able to make a change and make a difference. I didn't know a lot of what we were doing because we were just learning, um, Couple of my mentors said, "Hey, you need to stand for the board." I was like, "Okay, what well, I got to lose?" You know, I I, I stood a couple of different times, didn't get there, and then pushed forward and got some more. Uh, the Stacey Hall, the Bill Crocketts those individuals encouraged and hey, just you know, just throw your name in hat. We think you do good. Made the board uh, at the ASLAR, remember, uh, as large member. As that term got ready to the end, uh, I was you know getting ready to to figure out what's next in life. I still remember the conversation with Stacey Hall. She was like, so you're running for president, right? I said, Nope. I'm going to take me a break. <laughs> she was like, dude, you, you need to go ahead and run. I said, are you serious? So we had a long talk. We were in DC walking down one of the streets, going to dinner. Um, and, uh, her and I just had, it was a short conversation, but it was an impactful conversation. Just, you know, we need you now. You're ready for it. Now I need you just to keep moving forward. So threw my name in the hat, uh, and, uh, uh, eventually got elected and um here i am (laughs) uh so i got it was one of those opportunities i thought the the presidency and even at the board work was too big for me i didn't think i was ready for and several people said well when would you be ready and what does ready look like so to speak Mm -hmm. um and i didn't have an answer for them so i just okay let's let's keep moving of course I well, saw some some uh, some of my mentors who were presidents before me, the Vicky High Streets and Marbury's and the, the Stan Shingles, you know, the Mo McGonagall's, I saw them as president before me. So it was a it was like one of those things that I was following some big some some heavy hitters pushed up big shoes. Uh, big shoes. So I, I wanted to um, try to make them proud and, and and jump in. I again I didn't think I was ready for it even on the board level, but uh, I was encouraged and I felt obligated to give back because I was at a state in my directorship that I felt as though I had the opportunity. Uh, I had built a facility, staff was in a good place, and I had a little time that I can do it, and I had the support of my campus. Uh, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's make it happen. So
1: so what was that experience like for you?
2: Um, the the track, tenure track itself, the presidential track itself was a great experience. Um, so a lot of the stuff I learned, not just at the at large member, but on the presidential track, I could come back and use here. But I also learned a lot of from the from the organizational side of things, how things operated. You know, instead of guessing what's on the other side or wondering or making assumptions, I was actually in the seat to be able to see it. So it was a it was a, a experience that helped me grow as a director, helped me grow as a leader, and it helped me grow. Period. Uh, Then uh, COVID happened, and and George Floyd Mm -hmm. happened, and and those two things opened, and everything, just like everybody else, the the world changed upside down, but lo and behold, I was in that seat at that time, and uh, when it first occurred, I thought it was one of those opportunities that everything's going to fall by the wayside because nothing's going to happen, but I was surprised to see that everything happened, and, and not only did I get to um be in that seat we we picked up speed going 100 miles an hour and it was a uh, many times overwhelming experience uh, because not only was I in the seat leading a major organization but I also had to deal with the life challenges of COVID and George Floyd and be a dad with my my two young kids well they're not young but they're young young adults um and deal my own mental health uh, mm-hmm. all, the, all the dynamics here on campus was going on so it was a it was a really heavy lift and a lot of people were calling and a lot of people were were challenging me that's the best way to use it. they were challenging me um and it was one of those things that it was you know i, I still remember one of the conversations I, I had was i did not sign up for this but i'm ready for this mm-hmm. um, because i was in it i didn't i you know from that standpoint you know i was looking forward to the to the fun parts of NURSA and uh, being able to meet and greet and say hey to people and and put some uh, some of the strategic plans in place and all that got derailed <clears throat> with with COVID. Uh, and all that yeah. got to mean, especially the, the cancellation of conferences. So my entire year was was what we're doing right now on the Zoom screen. <laughs> you know, I got to yeah. be on calls six and eight hours a day, um, with different committees and different groups and different conversations. It was an experience that, like I said, many times overwhelming. And a lot of times, you know, I just wanted just not not to even touch a computer or uh, look at a a, a, a light ring or nothing. I didn't want to do anything about it because I was just mentally drained and exhausted. But uh, several folks reached out and said, You're the right person at the right time. Uh, So I just owned it and Bella, you know, embodied it and and kept rolling forward. And it was a challenge. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think I, I learned some major lessons about people during that time. I learned uh, who, who was really in your corner and who were not. And I also learned that I couldn't be the Superman that I thought I could be. So mm-hmm. the, the, the COVID was was and the situations that was going on within society was, you know, almost like kryptonite. It was it was it was debilitating sometimes. Um, And then, you know, being in at that stage, you know, like I said, I was on Zoom a lot. So I was at home and, you know, I'm a single person living at home. So I was by myself a lot. And emotionally that took a, that took a huge toll on me just to, just to be by myself and not be able to just go down the street or go to whatever. So I, uh, my, my out point was the golf course. I picked up golf. I, that was the safest space I could be in. Whenever I had a moment, I would go out and just, Swing and and that was pouring more of my frustrations and had no intentions of trying to be good at it. I just want to hit a ball. And, you know, once I, you know, was impatiently frustration. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I realized that, you know, working on grips and working on slices and working on clubs. I start picking up a little differently and now I'm to the point where I was like well I got somebody to go I learn how to play golf I'm not good yeah <laughs> I'm still not good at it but I, I like I' enjoy going to play you know if I end up under 100 I'm good it's a good day for me I'm happy
0: this episode is brought to you by Campus Rick Mastermind groups These groups are created as a space for executive directors and directors to present questions and challenges you are faced with in your position so you can leverage the power of your peers to help you succeed. It's a leadership accountability group that provides immediate professional development based on your specific challenges as a leader. Interested in learning more? Email Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E.
1: You know, it's interesting. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about your experience during that time. And, you know, every director says that was probably the biggest challenge they've had to face in dealing with COVID um, in the role. But And I almost am ashamed to say this, but not once did it dawn on me to think about the burden that you, I, I don't know that it was a burden, but the load that you had to carry, not only as the director, mm-hmm. but as president of NURSA during that time. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. That's huge. And you touched on this. You said that, you know, you learned that you weren't the, the Superman that you thought you were. So what else did you learn about yourself from that time?
2: Uh, I just learned that I do have vulnerabilities. I learned that it was okay to be transparent, but I also learned that my expectations of others were very high of me, and uh, a lot of ways I felt as I was failing because I could not meet some of those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, you know, yeah, you president of nurse, yeah, director, yeah, dad, but I was also a black man, and so the black yeah. community, the black man in the community was looking at me differently, mm-hmm. and it put me in a place of. You know, uh, I sometimes felt as though I had uh, a dartboard on me where everything was coming. And sometimes I felt as though I was alone, on solo on the island by myself because no one was there sometimes. So it made it difficult. Um, it, it was, again, it was a challenge. Um, again, it was perpetuated by the fact that I was at home alone. And it was like, you know, my kids were in college. My son had graduated, but my daughter was in college. And I was like, huh, you know, so it was like literally me and my, I have a uh, if you ever been on a Zoom call with me at home, you hear noise in the background, my birds, me and my birds. And they can only um provide so much peace. But uh it, yeah. it it was a it it was a heavy load. And um to this day, I, I don't think I've fully recovered. Uh it, it was a traumatized opportunity, traumatizing opportunity for me. Um that I don't that I wouldn't wish on anybody else with all those aspects. And I'm I'm not the only one that went through stuff, but Sure. Um, that's my story and that's how I've been dealing with it. And it opened my eyes to a lot of things and a lot of people. Some were disappointments, some with highlights, but more so it was just a learning curve for me to be able to say, Wow, you know, when 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 can I get through this? And then I say, Wow, I got through that. Um, again, I, I don't wish it on anybody. Um, uh, I I it's interesting when I in my nursing conference, people talk about you missed a year or whatever. You ought to get another year because you missed it. And I said, I don't want another year. I don't want to do that again. I don't yeah. ever want to go through that situation again. The presidency—that's the fun part—but it was added with so much stuff that no one. Uh, that again, I won't. Don't wish on anybody. It was just. It was. There was a lot of stuff going on, uh, and it was so, impactful.
1: So I'm curious, how has that experience impacted you today? as a leader and director?
2: Uh, I think it made me more uh, pretty empathetic on uh, on a lot of uh, fronts, not just here with my leadership here, but other leaders in Nurse and what they go through. Because people don't really take people's personal lives into consideration when they're um, nominating or voting or supporting somebody, you know, because they only get to see what they get to see. But, you know, we actually put our lives in front of everybody because we were on Zoom 24 seven and we could, people could see everything about everybody and some stuff just had to be revealing. So um, it was just one of those impactful moments that, um, you know, it, I think it made me a stronger person as well, mm-hmm. uh, but it also opened my eyes to who who were in my corner, who were not in my corner, how people really felt. And I think it, it was even enhanced more with all the political stuff that goes on. I don't, I don't think we've never really, nurses never really been a political, um, meaning, um, Democrat, Republican type stance, yeah stance. but I, I saw some stuff that just made me open my eyes and say, okay, I get it. I get it. And I don't think, I think it didn't help for me either, or maybe it did help. And I didn't realize it. Cause from, 2016 to 2019 i was also the chief diversity officer here at austin peace so i wore two hats so i got to see some political climates uh from behind the scenes that i didn't know i was ready getting ready to see um uh, yeah. but I had, to, I had to deal with stuff you know when people think of uh diversity they you know they they make it a narrow field between color and sexes and all this but it's so much more than that and i got to see it firsthand particularly on this campus um in 2016, we were faced with a uh, student placed rainbow-colored nooses where, uh, on campus behind our president's house, and that was my introduction to diversity work. But that was also my introduction to dealing with how to accommodate the students through this—you know, good and bad. Even though I might not agree with some of the some of the groups that were protesting, I still had to support them. So I opened my eyes up. So. You put all that together in a, in a in a in a in a in a hot pot of stuff. I learned a lot about different people, learned a lot about myself. I learned how to approach a little differently, but it also made me stand back a little bit more and listen and look more um, first. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me very um Larry's the wrong word, but I'm gonna use Larry because it, it opened my eyes. That so many people got so many different agendas. Um, and sometimes it's not always what they're presenting to you is what their actions are showing you. um and sometimes you just have to just open your eyes and say, okay, so you know I and sometimes I, nowadays I walk a little little gingerly um as mm. I as I cautiously. very cautiously, but I'm also still trying to uh, be me and be who I am um and be supportive. but uh it was the entire situation from I would say from twenty sixteen to twenty twenty one was a stage of my life that I think I learned a lot. Um and I'm taking the good parts of it, but it also isn't helping me enjoy tomorrow with the positive parts of it because some of the negative stuff I just can't control. I can't I can't yeah. so
1: absolutely. Well David, I, I appreciate you um sharing sharing that perspective with us. I don't know that I know I didn't, I didn't know that about you. And I'm, there's probably a lot of people listening who never knew that about you. And I'm sure that there's people that are close to you that know that, but thank you for, for putting that out there uh, for us.
2: Appreciate you giving me that.
1: Yeah. So let's shift gears. You've got almost 30 years in the field. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and say it old man, old man with 30 years. Right. Yep. So what, what are you still challenged with as a director?
2: So I um, I think I was uh, attending the summit we were just attending. Somebody else said, and I said, I think I'm obligated, responsible, and I feel like I still have stuff to give to the the generations behind me, um, particularly, the, you know, the students and the young professionals. I think my biggest challenge for me is what's next? And that's an easy question to ask, but what is next, you know? Do I want to start another program? Do I want to be in a different school? Do I want to continue to help? And the hard part for me and us is the next wave, two or three waves are different generations. And they're doing things a little differently and expecting a little different. So that makes it a little different. And, you know, I can tell them all day long what I think they should be doing, but they're really dictating what they want to be doing. And I have to get in to help them at where meet them where they are, so to speak. And that makes it uh, a challenge. The other challenge for me is uh, administratively, you know, here at Austin P we're on a, I'm on my, fourth president. He's been here two years now. And I get a new vice president coming in in about uh, July 10th. So very soon. Um, mm-hmm. So just what what's that's going to look like and how is that going to help me? Because I think I still got so much room to grow for myself, um, but I just don't know what it looks like. So I think it's going to be, I hope it is a shot in the arm to show me and to help me and to move me. Um, and I think the other challenge is how to help you know my colleagues now, the 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 youths and the others who I'm sitting at the table with. Some, how can I help? How can I be of service? How can I give back? And you know, uh, you know, this I've been saying the same thing for a long time. As far as we need to continue to be relevant in our field, so how does that look? How does that? How do yeah. we make ourselves relevant? And they, each campus and each climate and each part of the country is different. But how do we remain relevant and on our campuses? And for me, that question was asked of me yesterday by my incoming VP, because we're going to meet and he sent me an email and that's the first thing on my list, and, you know, he, how can you continue to help? How can your department continue to help our students? And I said, we need to remain relevant. But what does that look like? So um, those are the major challenges I have professionally. Uh, so i personal in between, and then personally, I just want to enjoy life. Uh, I think we are at a stage of life where we've seen some people, um, you know, we lost some, some, some big wigs and heavy hitters, and we lost some friends. And it's like, you know, we really got to enjoy our life where we are because uh, tomorrow's not promised. And, you know, you look out the window, the world is, the world is in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, crazy, crazy place. <laughs> I was gonna say it's crazy. So just try to enjoy life a little bit. I was, I was feeling out of, um, I'm, I changed residence, so I was thinking, filling out a new voter registration card right before you called, right before we got on this call, and it asked about my race and ethnicity, and I really had to think twice about I was going to put it down there, because I don't know who's mm. going to have it, who's going to use it, what are they going to do it for, and I had to think about it, even though I still did it, it made me go get a little pause, it's like, who's reviewing this and why? Um, yeah, you know, and- interesting. So a lot of little things that I get to deal with on a regular basis that make me second guess, what's this information for now? So,
1: yeah. So you mentioned this, you you attended um, the Campus Rec Summit in 2022 last year. I did. What were your impressions of the summit before you attended?
2: You know, before I attended, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just thought it was an opportunity I wanted to learn because I I had talked to folks and they got, um, shared some insight that was pretty positive and I wanted to see it for myself. And to me, it was another opportunity to be in a circle of folks like me doing the work that I do, um, but from a different lens, a different vantage point. And I wanted to, to get in that. So before it was didn't really know what I was getting involved in. I just heard great things. So I want to be a part of that or at least see it for myself and make my own judgment. I don't want anybody telling tell me don't eat there because it's not good. I'd rather try it myself and figure it out. (laughs) But I heard a lot Mm -hmm. of, hey, you got to eat some of that. You got to drink some of that Kool-Aid, man. It's really good. And I said, let me find out for myself. So So what were
1: your takeaways from last year?
2: From last year, um, it was more eye-opening than I uh, anticipated. It was more of a Uh, director high level uh, conversations that I could have particularly with the vendors but with my fellow directors I I was not trying to herd my cats or my my staff and my students and come along but I could actually just relax and be in a different place and actually open myself up to learn and grow Um, but it was also to me it was valuable to learn a little bit more about the campus rec magazine folks and what their intentions are and how they were doing things. Um, You know, we're not going to always agree with stuff, but I couldn't find, you know, how you go in looking for something wrong. I couldn't find anything wrong. I found right. You know, of course we can nitpick and find this, that should be done better here, there, but to find find something wrong. I could not, I could not find something. I couldn't find a reason why not. Um, uh, So it made me just want to go back and, and share with more people and share with you know different leadership particularly nurse on what why we should be doing different things and, and you know i hope that one day that i get the opportunity to, to attend again and i did this year and it was it was a good experience um and i'm, I'm already looking forward to the next one
1: <laughs> that's awesome i was going to follow up with why did you go back this year but i think you answered that mm-hmm. and then um i guess i just want to touch on a little bit more like if you could describe to somebody who's on the fence about going and they asked you the question, what has it provided you? Mm -hmm. What what would that description look like in like one sentence?
2: Uh, For me, it's more, like I said, uh, high level thinking and interactions with uh, fellow directors and vendors, more of on on an intimate level. And that was important to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, What advice do you have for directors who feel there aren't opportunities for their continued development? Sometimes when we get to this seat, you know, we think we've made it and we don't need to do anything, or maybe we're a little, we have some tunnel vision or narrow focus about our own development. So what would you say to those directors who feel like there's nothing out there for me anymore?
2: Um, I would say, um, you know, everybody has to find their own niche and what's good for them. And sometimes you got to stick your toe in the water, somebody else's water to figure out if that's for you. And once you get that exposure, it may not, you might learn, well, no, I got it pretty good over here. Let me stay over here. But um, COVID opened the doors for us to, how to use our talents and treasures a little bit differently. So, you might be able to use a little recreation and a little, um, you know, another type of talent you may have in another area. Um, I think my experience and watching folks and talking to folks, there's no better experience than we get in recreation. And who wants to leave this? Why not? What do we, what are we not doing? But it's that sense of accomplishment that I think that's coming hard to find these days that sense of appreciation in higher ed is hard to find these days and that sense of belonging. Uh, so I would just say, continue to you know, make your path. It may go a little different, but it still may be your path. Um, I was inter- interested to see some of our former colleagues who were still uh, around at the summit, but they were on the other side of the table and mm. they they looked pretty at peace <laughs> where they were. Um, having a conversation with a couple of them, they do miss it, but they don't miss where they are. Um, and different circumstances led to different reasons why they went the way they went, be it politics on that campus, be it family. You're talking, about,
1: you're talking about the vendor side of
2: the table. Yeah, the vendor side, yeah. right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, be it the situations with the families changed, that they needed to be at home more or want, didn't want to... You know, not, you know, recreation is not a typical nine to five. So they wanted that time a little bit differently. So different, different reasons. But, um, you know, everybody's got to do what's best for them. Um, Yeah. I often think about what's next for me if I had to do something different. Uh and, and unless they included uh, a beach and some water and, and <laughs> travel, I, I don't know what more different I can do right now. I think I've uh, I've got myself in a good place and I'm, I'm excited about it. So we're just moving on with life. And I still want to encourage those who want to do something different. Let them do their thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, I appreciate your time today. Um, I learned a lot about you and I think our listeners did too. There's some valuable info that you shared and I, I just really appreciate it, especially your vulnerability in, in and telling you. us how you, how you felt during that time, um, with COVID and, uh, your, your nurse role as president and thank you for doing that. Thank you for being the person who is, who is there to, to take the lead on that and, um, I don't want to get all sentimental here, but you and I go back a little ways, and yeah. you know it's great. It's great yeah, having you on I here. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. When I called you old man, I put my I put my name in that box too. So, well, I, I wish you great things, continued success at Awesome P, and um, whatever comes your way. And again, on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for being on the Director Download today.
2: Appreciate no problem. it. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.